Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Thank you, guys. How you guys doing this morning? You doing well? Hey, I'm so excited um, for this conversation. You know, I was, I was, I was thinking, um, if, if you're kind of new to this space, we have taken uh, a risk, a step of faith to go to two gatherings. So we, we have a 9 a.m., and then we also have the 11 a.m. And so it, it's just, it's, it's beautiful to see our, our community grow and expand. And so I want to challenge you with something. If you've been coming to COIN for any time, even if it's your first Sunday, I, I really want to challenge you with what does it look like to actually serve? What does it look like to actually give God your life? And if you would look at Jesus in his leadership model, there's a lot of leadership gurus out there. There's a lot of books. And actually, if you do the deep work of reading leadership, there's usually this overwhelming theme when those that like really understand leadership, they look to this man named Jesus and say, oh, there was something about servant leadership. And so there's something that happens when you begin to serve. There's something that happens when you use your hands. There's something that happens when you say, I want to do something and be a part of something that's much bigger than me. So I'm going to challenge you, if you've been a part of this community and you haven't been on the team to, like, get off the bench. Like, get off the bench and, like, get in the game. Get get in the action. I I really do believe, yeah. (laughs) I really do believe that when you begin to do that, what what you will discover pretty quickly is that community will collide into you really, really quick. And there are people that are, are on this similar trajectory of life that are going in a particular direction, and that direction is hope and peace and love and goodness and dream. I do believe that God calls us beyond the horizon to dream and to look and to see ahead, and I believe that it requires a people. I used to think, honestly, if I could be real with you, I used to think it was geography. So I was a little like upset with God when I felt really prompted to come back to Chino. Um, because Chino is kind of like Chino, like the cow town, like come on. I was a youth pastor in Orange County and I just really felt this, this, this like urge, like I wanted to start something for God. I wanted to start something for people that were far from him. And you know, there's a lot of different churches to be a part of and we just kind of felt this call to do that. And so we drove, I don't know if you knew this, all the way up to like Bend, Oregon. We drove up to Oregon because I was like, what is like the unchurched place in America, and so I found myself in Oregon, and, um, you know, we went optimistic, dreaming, hoping, God, is this the space? We'll, we'll, we'll leave everything, and I, as we were on our way back because we drove, I couldn't stop thinking about Chino, about this area, about this community, and so I've learned that it's no longer about geography. We're living in, like, a time of mass crazy tech, right? Technology, social media, influencers. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can be in, like, Montana and make a massive impact in the world. It's like, oh, it's no longer geography. It's a people. And so I want to devote my life to a people, to a tribe, to a community that says there's more within us to push us into the unknown and to see what God has in store for all that say, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to, some, the risk is just serving. So I'm going to challenge you with that, all right? Sound good? Awesome. Um, I I want to talk to you today about this, you know, this idea because scripture says when we're looking at maturing and developing and growing and expanding, again, we're on the first Sunday of the entire year. We'll never get this one back. And often at the beginning of the year, we're thinking about all the things that we want to do and some goals and perspective and you know, maybe I want to lose a couple of weight. Maybe I want to add on some, some, some pounds or whatever goals you have in mind or, or trajectory or dreams. I want to read you this passage of scripture that talks about what it means to get what you need from God that's most crucial. The writer of Hebrews says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear that you, to you because you are no longer trying to understand. In fact, Though by this time, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So what the the, the author is saying is, man, you've been coming to 
this community for a long time because this was written to a particular church and region. You've been coming and being a part of community. Maybe it's been a couple of weeks or a couple of years. But at some point, you're like, you should be doing more. You should be understanding more of God's truth and his righteousness. You should be walking in more power and more authority. And then it says in verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Could you imagine, this happens by the way, if, um, if you just came and ate on Sunday, if all you did was eat on Sundays, like how would you look, right? Like, you just ate. Like, that's all you did. You had the buffet. You, you ate. You had your chicken, your protein, you know, your carbs, your little veggies on the side. But it was just Sundays. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you didn't eat anything. Well, you would look like sick, right? <laughs> you, you wouldn't look like you are taking care of your body. I wonder what that looks like spiritually then. I, I wonder if there's moments in our life where we, we sort of just come to church on Sunday, get our, quote, feed, we're fed, and then we just go on throughout our day, and we don't really need the word because, you know, we had our fill on Sunday. Well, you would eventually see that you spiritually would be depleted, be like malnutrition, right? You'd be off, you'd be a little, like, hangry spiritually. And so I, I often sit back and I wonder, Man, what if I lived my entire life going to church and doing the do's, so to speak, reading the word and praying and even fasting? Oh, man, and like was really spiritual and I like was a giver. But yet, I never went deeper with God. It was just on Sundays. And I think the danger is that when you're looking at your, your body, you're looking at your flesh, we actually overindulge sometimes with the flesh, don't we? And I wonder what your life would look like if you did that with the spirit. If you did that with your relationship with God. If you actually just put him first in everything you did. The relationships, the decisions, the career paths, the school, uh, the walking away from something, the, the stepping into a new particular season. What if you actually put God first in that? You see, what I want to talk to you today about is, is what it means to feed my soul. I'll never forget when I, uh, when I was in Bible school, I was, I was 19 years old, and, you know, I, I had a friend that when I went to the college, it was a small college, there was probably like 100 people on the campus, but the college was particularly just like Bible majors, so like discipleship and evangelism and pastoral, there wasn't any other degrees, and I really didn't know why I was there. I was just wanting to put God first. I didn't really know what that meant yet, but I wanted him to know, hey, you're first. And then I had an RA that just was like, hey, man, uh, I'm going to challenge everyone in, the, in, the, in the, 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 the hall, the dorm hall, to go on a fast. And, you know, I've heard about fasting all of my life. I've heard about fasting from the scriptures. All throughout the scriptures, you see Jonah when he goes to Nineveh and, and God uh, speaks on behalf of Jonah, and then they go on a fast, and God saves the, the city. You see uh, leaders come together and say, God can do something powerful in our life, but before that, let's collectively fast as a people. You see Jesus fasting like 40 days and 40 nights, which is crazy. But it's an ancient practice, isn't it? It's something that came from ancient times, from biblical days, we're talking like before bronze era, like a long time ago, and so it becomes ancient. But there's something about saying, I'm going to feed my soul rather than feed my flesh. What would your life look like if you begin to put God first in these areas? So when I'm hungry, I get desperate. I don't know about you, but like when I'm physically hungry, I get desperate. Or when I'm hungry, nothing else matters. Right? Are, are you the type of person that when you get really hungry, you get like hangry? Right? Sometimes I actually think I have the opposite effect. It's, it's really like a blessing in disguise, but not really. I just get so busy, I forget to eat. Does anyone else do that? I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, I probably should eat right now. <laughs> you see, 
our physical bodies are really important. But what about your soul? What about what's inside of you? What about when the scripture says spirit speaks to spirit? What is God saying to you? What are you allowed? What are you listening to or not listening to? And do you actually care? Like I'm convinced, I really do believe this. I'm, I'm biased, I know I'm the pastor, yeah, but I really believe that when you put God first in your life, every area of your life, your relationships, your career, your job, your finances, your family functions, when you place him first in the midst of all of that, your life begins to be transformed from the inside out. I believe that. Thank you, Grandma Liz. My cheerleader. So in this new year, I want to step into more maturity with God. I want to step into more maturity with God, with myself, and even with others. I want to expand my capacity. Have you ever thought about how much you are capable of doing? You know, um, I, I actually started to discover this when, um, you know, for those that like went to, to college or, you know, have your, your bachelor's degree, um, I think education is going to change. Like, you know, like honestly, I don't know what university is going to look like in the next 20 years. But nevertheless, whatever you think about that, there's something powerful about showing up doing the homework and writing the papers like over and over and over again. There's like a faithfulness in that. There's a stewardship, especially if you're paying for it. That's why there's like a little shift from high school to college because like you're paying for it. So you like should probably show up. And um, unless again, your, your parents are paying for it, then it's like, ah, but that, that's a whole other conversation. My point with this is when you begin to sit down and realize that this is hard work, you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I was capable of doing that. Or when you're in sports, you know, I, I was a swimmer, I did water polo, and, you know, when you're underwater, we would do drills in Hell Week where we would go underwater and fight and wrestle, and whoever would tap out, you know, that person lost, and so it was kind of like king of the water, and so we would go underwater and wrestle and wrestle, and like, you think you're about to die, and then you're like, oh, I have a little bit more. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't know the capacity that I had when you're swimming over and over the, the laps after lap. I didn't know I had this particular capacity. And it really struck me intellectually, like my mind, my brain when, um, you know, I did undergrad and then I worked on my master's degree. You know, now life is busy. We got children, there's the church, uh, there's work, there's like all these things you have to do throughout the day. And then usually, you know, when the end of the day comes, you just want to clock out, right? Is anyone just like clocking out? I just love clocking out. You turn the TV on, you put your feet up, and you're like, oh, okay, I can breathe for a little bit. No, not me. <laughs> oh, it's time to write that paper now. <laughs> and so then I would finish. It'd be 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd be like, whoa, I just finished a 10-page paper. I had to have 10, 15 resources. And it's like, whoa, I didn't know I was capable of doing that. You see, you are more capable of what you could ever think or imagine. You're not just your body, but what about your soul? What about the spirit of God within you that calls you to more? I believe this is why I follow Jesus and I look to him as my king. There's a bit of a masculine there for me as a, as a man that he's calling me into the future. No, son, there is more in you. You can go the next round and the next round, you can keep getting back up. When you get knocked down, just get back up. So we're more capable than we could ever imagine. But if you're not feeding that, if you're not exercising that, well, yeah, you'll, you'll be depleted pretty quick. You know, it's like going to the gym, right? You go to the gym and it's like, well, if I want to be that guy, I go to the gym. It's like, put on two plates, bro. I got this, right? But I haven't ever really done that. I'm going to make a fool out of myself. Well, why? Because I, I do not have the capacity yet to push that much weight. So there's a buildup. I got to practice. I got to show up. I got to be disciplined. It's like you can use the analogy in every way, sports, baseball, soccer, uh, athletics. I'll never forget I had a batting coach one time, and I didn't understand all of the techniques that came with swinging a bat. But the more effort I put into that, the more my capacity to know what I was capable of expanded. 
how much more in your walk with Jesus? I mean, have you really thought about that? What could you do for the kingdom of heaven if you just gave God all of you? Not just a little bit of you, but every ounce of you. And you don't have to be that weird Christian either if you do that. I'm <laughs> just being honest. Sorry. I'm just being honest. Like, no, God's just first. The decisions you make are built off of wisdom. It's cause and effect, and I'm going to choose the route of wisdom. And so if I do this, I'm not going to be upset if I get this ramification or outcome. It's like we can't be upset with God if he says, you know, don't do this because this will happen. And you're like, oh, I think I'm the exception. And then you do it, and it's just, it's bad. It's like, oh, that was all God. No, that was your decision. So this is my conviction for your soul. If you would allow God to get a hold of your life, you will be transformed from the inside out. Remember, this is very crucial. God is not after fixing your circumstance. I'm sorry to say, he's much bigger than that. He cares about it, of course. He's after your transformation. Because if you're transformed, you now become dangerous for the kingdom. If you're transformed from the inside out, when the, the waves come, when the wind comes, when the storms come, you are steady and you're still before God. There might be some rocket, like the earthquake. Did you guys feel that the other day? Like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, imagine if that thing gets 10 times bigger. Earthquakes will come and you'll get knocked down, man. Like the walls start to crack. But what happens in your life when the earthquake comes to you? Are you steady? Are you constant? Are you faithful? Have you built up the spiritual stamina to withhold the resistance that life brings? And I need you to understand this. If you desire transformation to your life, be prepared for resistance. It's just not all butterflies and rainbows. That's not life. We would be lying to each other. No, when we pursue transformation, it comes, there, there's a cost that comes to that. Um, when, when I was uh, speaking, sometimes I'd speak to the Christian club at, at Chino High, and uh, I'll never forget, you know, I, I learned very quickly with like language and with, with speaking that you can move people emotionally. Do you know that's possible? I mean, Hitler's the perfect like, Example of that. And I, uh, I, I started noticing that I could move these high schoolers emotionally. And uh, it, it was actually very terrifying to me that I could do that with my language. And so then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to test something out. And I'm like, hey, if you're here and you, you want to put God first in every part of your life, you're like done with playing it safe, you're done with like, following culture, you want to lead culture. If that's you, I don't care if it's one person, stand up right now. And then, you know, it's like that psychological ripple effect where one stands and then all these others stand. And then I, and then I, I got him good. I said, okay, well, by the way, if you want to put God first, now you got a target on your back from the enemy. That's the resistance. I mean, think about it. If we try to do good, is that not hard to do? It's way easier to do evil. It's like way easier to do the easier thing. And often that's the thing that will destroy our soul. It is so much harder to do the right thing. It is so much more difficult to tell the truth. But if my soul is not being fed by God, if it, my soul is not being fed by, by wisdom, if my soul is not being fed by the word, then, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be off spiritually. It's like, what good is it, man, to, like, be super physically fit, but then you're spiritually a mess? Or the opposite is true. What good is it, like, can I say this, to be super spiritually fit, but then we're physically a mess? No, our bodies are interconnected. Did you know that? Like, your body actually... Your soul is trying to tell your body what's going on. And I talk about this all the time. But um, your emotions, even that come from your body, is the dashboard to your soul. You know when you're driving your car and you have all these gauges, right? And the check light goes on. I hate when that happens. <laughs> it's like, dang it. I don't know what to do, right? And so 
Well, you go to the mechanic, and they run the little code. It's like, oh, you got all these things wrong. It's going to be $5,000. <laughs> well, your emotions, God put there for a reason. Friend, even bad emotions, they've come from God. God created your emotions. Did you know that? So when you're depressed, that can come from your physical body, but it also comes from your spirit. But they're interconnected. When you're filled with joy, no one gets upset like, yeah, man, I'm not doing good. Just got a lot of joy in my life. (laughs) So when there's something off in your life, God placed those emotions in your soul for a reason to let you know where you're at. It is the dashboard to your soul. So my question this morning to you and to me is, how's your soul? Are you feeding it? Have you, like, taken your soul to the mechanic? Have you done, like, a test? You know, no, I'm really depressed. I'm really unhealthy here. Uh, Physically, I'm unhealthy here. Spiritually, I'm mentally, I'm not doing good here. My body is interconnected. The Bible says your body's a temple. And that temple is interconnected with your soul. It also does say the body is good for some use, but your soul is much more important. So, remember... God wants you to live in wholeness. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that. God wants you to live in wholeness. He wants you to live in your uniqueness. You are unique to who you are. There is no other DNA that is the same as yours. It is unique and complete to who you are. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to walk in your calling. He wants you to stand in authority and conviction. And God is searching for people that will simply say yes to him. Like, it's really not that complex, but it's very difficult. Can I be honest with you? It's not hard to say yes, right? If you're a people pleaser, it's even easier. Yeah, I'll do it. But the hard part comes when the resistance comes, when the push back comes, when the forces of evil come against your life, against your soul, against your family. When the call comes, that's when the rubber meets the road, right? But if your soul is depleted, you will feel the ramification of that. So here are three areas that I want to encourage you to give to God this year. The first are your eyes. The second would be your mind. The third would be your heart. I I would argue this is how you feed your soul. Your eyes are your vision. It's what you see. It's also what you don't see. Your mind are your thoughts. It's like, what are you thinking? How are you thinking? What are your, why are you thinking that way? What are your mental structures? Your heart is what you feel, it's what compels you, it's what moves you, it's what wakes you up in the morning, and it's what keeps you up at night. If you said you never believed in God, right, and you don't believe that healing is true for today, but then you saw someone get healed, like miraculously, what would take place? Your mind would not be able to comprehend what you just saw, what you felt, and what you thought. Well... You saw it with your eyes. Your mind couldn't properly comprehend what you saw, but now your heart is exploding. Is God real? And honestly, no one could convince me God's not real because I've seen it in my own life. Moments where he showed up and showed off. Moments where, man, if, if, if that were to happen a little bit differently, my life would be different. There are moments in my life where I'm like, man... I was like dying because I didn't enjoy the ride in that moment. But then when you look back, you can connect the dots and you're like, oh, that's why God did that. But if you don't have eyes to see, you won't see that. So the eyes, Matthew 6, says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. I would argue, friend, you just need a new perspective. You need a new set of lens. Maybe you're seeing blurry. Maybe you're not seeing anything at all. When you allow God to show you what he sees, you start to dream again. You see, a dream is seeing it before it's reality. I I honestly can say this with full confidence. Um, When Kelly and I planted this community, I I had to see it. God, show me it. Do, Do you know that God gave us imagination, creativity? And I would just dream of seeing people's lives transformed, of being a part of a community, of being a part of a people, of being able to invite others into the room and them not feel like they're condemned or shamed, of being for the one. I would dream of this, and I would see you 
but I had to get the food of God, the fruit of God, the power of God, the mind. I had to say, Jesus, show me what you see. Give me your eyes. So to believe God uh, will bring it to pass. That's the other part. If God showed you, and if it's truly from God, he will bring it to pass. That is his promise, by the way. So we know this, that faith is Faith is confidence in what we hope for, but it's also assurance in what we do not see. Did you know that? That's what faith is? Another way of saying faith is it's trust. Do you trust God when it's not going the way you thought or planned it should go? Can you walk by trust? Can you walk by faith and not by sight? So 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance as he was looking for the next king, or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. So then how's my heart? So in other words, I want to start asking God, What do you see, God? I don't really care what I see. I mean, you know, that's important, but... No, what do you see? Uh, I love this scene in uh, Avatar. I, I, I like the movie Avatar. The first one was really cool, right? And then they had like a second one. And there's this moment in both the first and the second where uh, I think his, his wife says like the last scene, like, I see you. Like, I finally see you. Like the real you. And then in the second movie, uh, the father, you know, he has like his sons and one son is like never really worthy because he always does the bad thing. He never gets the approval of the father, right? But then there's this moment where the son steps into leadership. He steps into courage and bravery and he like saves his dad. And the father looks at him and he says, I see you. Have you got close enough to God for him to tell you, I see you? I I I know you. You have allowed me to understand you at more of a capacity, more of a level. Now, can I say this? God already knows you. Do you know that? God knows you? But like, do you know that God knows you? Have you opened up your life to God? He knows every part of your life, but have you said it audibly to him? It actually does something to you when you talk to him and open up every part of your life and say, God, I want to see what you see. I want to dream the way you dream for my life and for this kingdom and for this world. So we need to look at our life, at our story, and examine it. And the more we do, we see that God's hand has been all over it. Sometimes we need to look a little bit more in depth and see the glass half full and not half empty, right? So then the next would be your your eyes allow you to see the vision, but I believe the vision of God among all others, if I could say it this way, if someone were to ask you, What's the gospel, right? Well, the gospel is the good news of God, right? It's the good news of Jesus. But theologically, we, we, if we put a period there, that's, that's the truth, but it's not the full truth. No, the gospel is in partnership with the mission of God. Well, what's the mission of God? It's to expand the kingdom of heaven in every area of your life. So if you're not being fed spiritually, And Jesus or God has called you to say, I want you to expand my kingdom in every avenue. The kingdom of heaven is not just in this room. That would be small. No, the kingdom of heaven now resides within you. So as a doctor in your space, how is the kingdom of heaven coming there? As a police officer, as you do your duty, as you serve your city, how is the kingdom of heaven coming there? As a teacher, as you prepare your students before they come in and you see the names and the the seats that are not yet filled, how are you praying, your kingdom come here, God? But you won't be able to know that, see that, or feel that if you're not feeding your soul. It'll just be what everyone else is doing. Oh, no, it's all bad. Ah, doom and gloom. Yeah, kind of, but there's always hope with God. So the mind, uh, your mind, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, is incredible. Like your mind, right? Like, I don't know what the percentage is, but we don't access all of our mind, right? We don't access 100% of our mind. So our mind, again, that capacity, that stretching, you have no idea what you can push your mind to do. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has, who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Can you like comprehend that for a second? You and I have access to the mind of Christ, which by the way, the mind of Christ is the mind of God. And, um, you know, what I don't want you to do is have the mind of like a reptilian, that actually is a theory, that when we go into fight or flight, we take on like this animalistic mindset, and you either react, right, to something bad, and it's just usually out of fear. So I'll give you an example. If something really bad were to happen to you, and it's terrifying, and it's scary, and if you're not careful, if you don't take the step back and think and process, that fear will grip you so much, it's fight or flight. And then you step into like, a reptilian brain. No, God did not give you a reptilian brain. He gave you the mind of Christ. That's why you need to be feeding your soul. The way that you think will transform your life. Do you know that? It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Scripture makes it clear that we must renew our minds, and it is one of the main ways we are transformed. Scripture also says we have the mind of Christ, so we must change the way we think, the way we plan, the way we worry, the way we make decisions. And the question that I want to ask you is, are, are you like, is your mind more hope or more despair? Is it more worry or is it more faith? You know, I, um, I learned in this past year that when life gets really difficult, right, your mind will play tricks on you. It really will. <laughs> and what could be bad, your mind will make it even worse. It's like all hell breaks loose because of something that happens. And so that's why I'm like, oh, my gosh, who I surround myself with is really crucial. Have you heard that old saying, show me your three to five best friends, I'll show you where you'll be in three to five years? Well, let's take that one step further. Imagine you were in a pit, because we're all in pit, a pit at some degree, meaning we all have mess-ups, we all have something that we're trying to get out of, we're trying to develop, we're trying to get better at something. Whatever that, that pit is for you, all of us at some capacity are in a little pit. Now, the goal is, when you put God first, that he would pull you out, correct? But I need you to understand this. God also speaks to you. He can speak to you through people. Did you know that? God brings people along your journey, along your path, mentors, pastors, friends, people that are going to challenge you, call you to more. And so I've learned and discovered if I have, because I'm in my little pit, if I have people pulling me out of my pit, oh, then that's good news. But if I'm a servant, then I also should be pulling others out of their pits, right? But be careful if you have more people pulling you into their pit then others are pulling you out of yours. That's the great danger of influence. Who you surround yourself with will heavily influence the magnitude of your life. Why? Because it changes how you think. So whether, whether I'm in business or in ministry or in leadership, whatever happens in the world around me, if I'm around a bunch of naysayers, I'm in that pit. And we're all like having a naysay party in the pit. But what about the people that are like, no, 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 like Joshua and Caleb? Nah. Yeah, there's giants in the land, but God's with us. Those are the type of men, honestly, that I want pulling me out of their, of my pit. I don't want men pulling me down into their pit. And so that's why I have to make sure I'm feeding my soul. Does this make sense? That's where wisdom comes. That's where guidance comes. That's where maturity comes. So how's your mind? When you get knocked down by life, how strong is your mental structure? How do you collapse under pressure? So in order for Christ to really transform my life, he needs to get a hold of my mind, right? Not just for yourself, but for your children, your future children, for those that are impacted by your DNA. What do I mean by DNA? I've talked about this man before. I discovered him when I was um, in my studies uh, within leadership and, and, and development and his name is Kurt Thompson. He's a Christian neurobiologist. So he studies the brain. And the studies show 
uh, from his book as he walks with people, he uses this term called epigenetics. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but bear with me here. This is what he writes in his book. What is both complex and amazing about the mind is how it emerges under the influence of what neuroscientists call epigenetics. Simply put, this means that gene expression is influenced, turned on or off, accelerated, and slowed by experience. Meaning, your genes, your DNA, will change, enhance, affect, slow down, or increase your children's. Like, th this is crazy. Watch this. For example, some people have a genetic predisposition for being more anxious than others. But if their parents are deeply attuned to their emotional temperament, if they're healthy, if they've been feeding their soul, <laughs> the genes that turn on their children's anxiety response will tend to be quieted, and they're more likely to develop a hopeful or optimistic approach to life. On the other hand, watch this. If their parents behave anxiously, they may activate the genes that encourage anxiety to emerge even in the most benign circumstances. Isn't that crazy? I don't know about you, but I think this is fascinating. You're gonna tell me that the way that I think affects my daughters? Yeah. The way that you think affects the people around you, but the DNA of my brain, the anatomy, the, the way that my brain is functioned when I have a young child around me, my daughter. So that, that means if I'm an angry person, I'm going to turn on that gene in her. Yikes. Oh, no, what if I'm a hopeful person? I can turn that gene on as well. It's like, um, what does Lenya always say? Oh, it's the Maleficent, right? We don't like Maleficent in our home. And for some reason, Lenya, like, discovered Maleficent. And so Kelly and I are like, we don't like Maleficent. She's mean. No. What does she say? She tries to be nice. I'm like, who taught her that? That's, that's pretty good. She's pretty optimistic. <laughs> this is what I mean by your mind. Wouldn't it be better to live a lifestyle that says, no, 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 no. They try to be nice. No. There's some good in them. No, we could do it if we try. No, if we put God first, what, what could he do in our life? As opposed to the opposite. So I believe that you can be in a community of believers with Christians that all are like in their own pits. And that's not on God, that's on you. So my challenge to you this year is go to the word of God and say, God, I, I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to have a hopeful, optimistic. I want to have a mind that says, no, it's possible. All things are possible with those who seek God, with those who walk with God, with those who put God first in their life. Your mind is crucial. And then your heart. This is my last point. If you can start seeing what God sees, then your mind starts to think different, right? But if it doesn't hit your heart, it won't fully change you and transform you. That's called behavior modification. The way God wants to transform you, I am convinced, is from the inside out. This is why I'm biased. I know I'm a pastor. But I love psychology. Why? Psychology is literally the study of the soul. It's the study of your psyche. It's the study of your mind and your heart and your processes. Now, the Western world has really done a number on the psychological understanding, and that's why I... I, I run from any type of teaching that is contrary to the scripture, but like, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's something profound and powerful to understand more of how we are as human beings and our soul and how we process and how we think. I'm not going to rid myself of that. There's something to learn in there. I want to expand my mind. God, teach me. And one thing that I've learned is, you know, modern day psychology, I'm not, I'm not opposed to, to therapists, not one bit. But when it's not curated towards God, what happens is it becomes behavior modification. And I just don't know if that works. I mean, does it? I guess we could try it. But I've been around at least a little, like, long enough to say, that doesn't work. <laughs> you can't really, like, change someone's behavior and hope that they do good. No, I, I would argue that 
a healthy psychologist, a healthy therapist, a healthy man or woman of God understands your behaviors affect your life. Your mind and thoughts affect the way that you do whatever it is you do. But if you don't allow God to change your heart, nothing will change. It'll just be momentary. It's like pleasure. It's just It's good for a little bit, and then it eats you up and chews you up inside. So I want God to change me from the inside out, not the outside in. If we did outside in, that's like, oh, we care about your behavior. Ah, you know, Johnny, your behavior is kind of messing up the tribe. So you're out. See you later. (laughs) Well, instead of, why don't we talk about the heart of the matter? Why don't we talk about what's really going on in your soul? That's where true transformation takes place. Scripture says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitude of the what? The heart. So really, I'm so sorry. You can't judge my heart. You don't know. Only God, like literally, only God really at the end of the day knows a man or woman's heart, what they think and process, what they really meant when they said what they said, what they meant when they did what they did. Only God truly understands that, not you, not me. So if you want to know where your heart is, open up the scriptures and see how you respond to the words. Try that. Can I challenge you in that this year? Just open up the scriptures. Get a reading plan. It's really easy to find one. And read the scripture. And see if it pokes at your heart. Because it always pokes at mine. It always reminds me as like a mere reflecting, man, you, you need to not just say this. You need to walk this out. You need to live this. So my heart can either be hardened by life or softened by love. My question to you, friend, is your heart right with God? Have you been or are you or even is it even on your radar that you must feed your soul? Can I say it this way? Um, I I get a little uncomfortable when someone's like, well, that church isn't feeding me right. Well, I didn't really like that because they did it wrong and so I wasn't getting fed. Since when is it the church's job to feed you? No, it's it's your job to feed you. (laughs) Like, you got it right here. I, I, I can't do that for you, man. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like, come on, open up. No, you have the same access that I have to God. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm any different than you. So I can lead you to the buffet, and it's good, and there's grapes, and there's juice, and they're juicy. They're awesome. There's orange juice there and apple juice. I'm thinking like fasting terms, right? <laughs> But I will not, I promise I won't do this. I will not force you to drink that, man. You know why? Because God won't. He he won't. Show me. Show me where he'll force you to do something like that. There might be moments, but if you look at the over, if you look at the Genesis account, if that were so, he would have stopped Adam and Eve to do what they were about to do. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, he gives you and I a choice to say, I want some more food, God. All right, great. First, let's start with milk because you're like a little baby. That's okay. Let's learn the rhythms of faith, of goodness, of righteousness. Let's shift your heart. Let me get a hold of your heart and things will begin to shift in your life. Your eyes, as Hebrews says, will, be, come, will have revelation that only can come from Christ. But if you don't choose to do those things, that's not on God. That's on you. So, like, if I choose to just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat is that god like did god make me do that come on like did he no or if i choose to not eat because i've done that before some of you in the community have called me out like man are you eating no i'm not man i'm really busy that's like on me well what about spiritually then where are you spiritually it is on you god has given you everything he's like Sam, this is my kingdom. I already did it on the cross. I saved you for a better future, and you're living in it now. Why are you choosing to waste your life eating that food? Why are you choosing to live your life? At this point, you should be teaching, evangelizing, walking, showing life and hope to one another. You should be pulling people out of the pit, but instead, 
You still need milk? Come on, man. That's on you. Church, I, I know that's like a little hard. I get it, yes. But like, I think we need that. I need it. Can I be honest? This is like my message, so I'm talking to myself right now. I just, I want to put God first. And that's what fasting does. It recenters, reacclimates, recalibrates your heart to God's. So as we finish, this is where fasting comes from. This is why we do it, because we want to feed our soul. So when I fast, I give attention to my soul. I give attention to putting my, my soul as a priority, God as the priority. When I fast, I say no to some good things so I can say yes to the greatest thing. When I fast, I begin to literally start, literally I starve my flesh to feed my soul. Fasting allows you to see with clarity like never before. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting that comes from the workout guys. Can I be clear on that? <laughs> no, this is an ancient practice to say I will rid myself because I'm trying to get an answer, God. I'm trying to get perspective. I'm trying to understand what you want in my life. So give him your life. Give him your stress, your success. Give him your first. Give him your family. Give him your decisions. Feed your soul and watch what he can do with your life. Give him your eyes. Give him your mind. Give him your heart and see what he does in your life. So as a community, we're going to fast. Corporately, we're going to do it for three weeks and you can choose however long you want. Some guys, some people will just do three days. Others will go all 21. There's different types of fasts you can take on. But I always say just choose the one between you and God and commit to it. Don't give up day three. And if you mess up, just go right back and keep going. I want to end with a story in my own life. This last year, um, some of you know that you know, I kind of started another business to supplement just being taken care of, to take care of my family. And... Um, there's been many jobs I've had in my life, right? Just a lot of different jobs. And I was like, you know what, God, I, I want to kind of commit something to you, and I want to see if this is you. And so I kind of stepped into a particular space, and things were good for a little bit, and then they got really hard and really difficult, right? Really hard and really difficult. And it got to the point where I literally was just depleting my savings. Kelly and I were. And have you ever, like, had a moment, if you have, like, children and you're, like, laying down, and everyone's like playing in front of you and you're just like staring because you're so stuck. Like that was me. Like, God, what do I do? What do I do? Because if you know anything about me, like I'll, I'll go get the job at Home Depot. I'll, I'll get the job at Starbucks. I'll get the job at the Loki Coffee Shop. Like it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do to take care of my family. But I started this thing and I'm like, God, if you're in it, then show me. If you're not in it, I don't want to be a part of it. And there's this story, I get that from Moses, because he goes in the wilderness, and God calls him, I want you to go to the land of promise. And there's a moment where it gets really difficult, and God tells Moses, if your spirit doesn't go with me, I'm not going. And so moments, there's this, this like the third time in my life I had to tell God this, if you are not in this, I'm done. I will figure something else out. And so then I went on a three-day fast. I had got no like clients and like the sales word, all that stuff, like that's hard stuff, right? You can easily manipulate people. I don't like doing that. And so, three, like, months go by. Three months, I haven't closed any particular clients. And I finally get to the point where I'm in desperation with God. And I say, you know what, God? I'm going to fast. I'm going on a three-day fast. Just water. And if you don't want me to do this, I'm done. I won't do it anymore. But if you're in it, just give me one person, one client. And lo and behold, on the third day, just water. No, bro, I'm okay. I don't want food. I just want water. I just, I put God before my dreams, my life. This is not my dream. This is not my life. This is yours, God. Whatever you want to do in my life, it's yours. However you want to bless my family, you do it your way. But I just need you to know, I'm going to work my butt off, God. If this is you, can you just kind of show up? If not, that's your answer. I'll stop. And on the third day, the very end of the fast, we got two different clients. And to me, I was able to step back. I only say that to arise faith in you. I did, this is not like an over-spiritual, mystical, mythological thing. This is the living God. If Jesus fasted, I'm going to fast. And if I need to understand the trajectory of my life, I'm going to fast. 
Whenever we make a decision, okay, do we want to expand our family? We're going to fast about that. If I need to step away from this job, it's a big decision. I'm going to fast about that. I want God to know you have my heart. You have my eyes. You have my mind. Do whatever you want to do with this vessel because it's yours. But God, could you, could you show me? Could you speak? Could you lead? Could you guide? And if you're in this, then show me. And so I don't know what big decisions you have to ask God. I don't know the types of questions or things that are going on in your life. Put it before God. Ask God to show you. If you're going to make a decision about marrying someone, probably should fast about that. It's a long time to be with that person. Right? If you're going to make a decision to have a child in your family, I would, I would encourage you fast about that. If you're going to make a decision to quit your job, to start a new one, to start a business, I would encourage you to fast about that. And all you're doing is letting God, the heaven of hosts, know you're first. Do you see that, God? I just want you to, I just want you to, I want to remind myself you're first in everything, God, for my family, for this community, for my life. And so I want to challenge you to do that. If that's you and you're like, I- I'm ready to take that step, then join the fast with us. It could be two days. But can I tr- encourage you to do like actual food? Do the social media thing, please. That's great. But I'm talking about starving yourself. <laughs> Deplete yourself from food. That's a true fast. And see what God does. You get like the spidey senses. I call them the spidey senses. And I said this to the nine Pay close attention to the relationships in your life when you're fasting. Pay close attention to the thoughts that come into your mind. So if you're getting angry, and you're like, oh, it's because I'm, 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 I'm a hangry person. Actually, I think you're like normally angry and God wants to deal with that. If you're like super, you know, lustful and watching things, doing things you're not supposed to, and it's enhanced in that, well, I think God's trying to say, I need you to focus on that. He'll do that. He'll show you. He'll speak to you. If you're in a relationship and you're fasting and you're just like, ah, I don't really know about you. Ah. <laughs> Not married. <laughs> Not talking about married. <laughs> Even if you're married, well, you got to talk about that. Why are you bothered? Just talk to him about it. No, like uh, put God first in everything and see what he does in your life. Amen? Yeah. Awesome. Will you stand with me as we close in worship and we're going to finish with